So today, as we kind of wrap up our series on prayer, I'm going to do some teaching today, all right? So today is a little less like preaching and, hey, here's how you, it'll, you know, applicable type stuff. This is more of a teaching on something. And today we're going to be doing some teaching on fasting. Fasting is this thing that, you know, you might have heard before, but maybe there's not. When I say fasting, here's what I don't mean, okay? I don't mean fast fooding. Because Paducah's got a lot of fast fooding. Yeah, there's like five McDonald's in this town. I'm like, what is going on in this place? And when you're moving and you don't have a lot of your kitchen accessible, Chick-fil-A wins the day a lot of times. But that is not, I'm not talking about fast fooding. So we're going to talk about what fasting is, what fasting isn't. Um, So first, let's just start off with some things of what biblical fasting is not. And before I jump into any of this, I'd, I want you all to know, I am not putting shame on anybody. This is something that is talked about all throughout scripture. And so I just want to teach and speak what the Bible teaches and speaks. Okay, so this isn't meant for you to be like, I'm less than or any of this. This is really just to show us what the Bible teaches. And we're going to talk about what fasting is not. And some of these things that I'm going to say is not doesn't mean they're bad or wrong. It's just not what biblical scriptural fasting is not. So the first one is this. Here's what fasting is not. Fasting is not abstaining. And what abstaining is, is a lot of times when I hear people say I'm fasting, they'll say, well, I'm fasting from social media. Or I'm fasting from Xbox. That's just called growing up. Um, (laughs) Or they'll say I'm fasting from shopping. And there is a long running history of people in church giving up certain things that take away our time and attention from Jesus. And it is perfectly acceptable to say, I'm going to take this season to abstain from this thing because it's eating up a bunch of my time and I want to be closer to Christ. So I'm going to abstain from this thing. It can be be very beneficial. We just have to call it what it is. It's I'm giving up TikTok for a while because it's a waste of time and I need more Jesus. Okay. It's... It's abstaining. It's not biblical fasting. Secondly, biblical fasting is not a restricted diet. Um, Recently, a lot of people have started doing this thing called the Daniel fast. I mean, it's been a while now that people have kind of started doing this. And if you you read Daniel chapter 1, Daniel goes into a time where he, he pushes away a lot of food to show the king. And he's in this foreign country, Babylon. And he pushes away a lot of food to say, God will still make me strong. And he's like, I'm going to push away all the meats, all the things that would usually build muscles. And he's like, I'm just going to eat vegetables and water and fruit. And so a a common thing now is for churches to go into this thing called, and they call the Daniel fast. If you read Daniel chapter one, nowhere is that word fast used. And so that is another one of type of an abstaining so that you can draw attention because every time you want that meat, you can say, okay, I want more of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you participated in that, that's awesome. That's just not biblical fasting. Third one, biblical fasting is also not just a dieting trend or an excuse to lose weight. Um, I mean, yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. But I've heard people before, they eat And they go, man, I'm so glad I'm going to be fasting sometime soon. That's not the reason to fast. Fasting is not a reason to lose weight. Now, it does help you lose weight. I mean, I've... I've done the, you know, the intermittent fasting thing where you don't eat first. I know some of our team is even doing that now. Yeah, Jason's down there, praise God. I did it for a while. It does help. I still don't have six things on my stomach. I got a tummy. I'm a dad. 
And dad bods are back in style. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Now, fasting does have a lot of health benefits, but biblical fasting is not a diet strategy. It's just not. You know, when I, when I think about Jesus, he goes 40 days in the wilderness and he's fasting those 40 days. I don't think he was out there saying, man, I can't wait to get cut. Because I'm about to go do ministry. I need to look, you know, that is not what he was doing out there. That was not the reason. And that is not the reason for us to biblically fast. Okay. Also, some of y'all have done this no eating thing and it's very unhealthy. So you need to check yourself and saying, am I in a healthy space right now? Or am I doing this? You got to, again, this is not a dieting trend that we're going to be talking about. So then what is fasting? What is fasting? Fasting, plain and simple, even in dictionary terms, is deciding to abstain, so to give up food for a period of time. Simple as that. It's giving up food completely for a period of time. But the spiritual discipline of fasting is more than just not eating. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But another question, when I start, when I've taught on fasting or when we talk about fasting that people ask is, how long should I do this? Like, how long am I supposed to go without eating food? And there's no biblical limit here. There's no biblical thing that says, this is how long you should do it. Um, There's no length. Most Fasts in the Bible and in church history are one day. Most of them. If you read through scripture, a lot of the fasts are a one day type of fast. Some fasts are simply skipping a single meal. Um, Some fasts go from sunup to sundown. And when I say skipping a meal, I mean skipping a meal with intention. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get busy and I just forget to eat. That's not fasting. That's just called like bad habits. Um, That's that's not fasting. Fasting is intentionally saying, I'm not going to have lunch today. And instead, that time that I would use to either be eating or going and preparing or going and buying, I'm going to spend that time praying or reading scripture or focusing in on God. So there's no specific length. Um, All throughout church history and all throughout the Bible, you'll see different times. Um, Somewhere along in the last decade, I'm not, I need to say this, but I'm not speaking against any churches. So just hear me on this, okay? Somewhere in the last decade, there's been this trend for 21 days of fasting. There's no real common 21 days of fasting that you'll find in scripture. Um, That's not a normal length. Um, A lot of times, so I'm an obstinate person. So I've been at churches that say we're going to fast for 21 days. And my question with anything is always why. That's like my favorite question. Why are we choosing 21 days? Why? I don't have a problem doing it, but just why? Because I'm like, I don't see that length in scripture. That seems really long. And what happens is when you call something fasting for 21 days, I don't know about you. When I study biblical fasting, that's not eating anything. I don't, I can't eat. I can't go 21 days without eating. First off, I take medication that that would, I would die. Um, And so then what it leads a lot of people to doing is say, well, I'm going to fast a thing. I'm going to fast social media. Again, we talked about that. That's not biblical fasting. That's a good thing. Do those things. But what we, when we see this 21 days and I'll ask, well, why are we doing it that long? Well, that's, that's how long Daniel did it. Again, Daniel wasn't fasting or the, I've heard this one. Well, that's how long it takes to ingrain a habit. And I say, well, first off that 
that theory has been proven to not exactly be right. And what habit are you trying to ingrain in 21 days, never eating again? Like that's a bad habit. Like that's not a good habit. Now, if you've participated in that or you want it, as long as that's something God has called you to do, do it. But just because it's something is common in the modern church doesn't mean it's common in scripture. A lot of how we even do church right now is not, it might be common in our modern setting, but we actually, it's just something now that we do. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just, we got to look at sometimes what scripture teaches. So as we kind of go through this, um, if you study scripture in most every fast, they're still drinking water because I don't, I mean, you, you can't go, you can go a long time actually without food, but you can't go very long without water. Um, your body can only go for a little bit without that. Pretty much all the major characters, not all of them, but a, a good majority of the major characters in the Bible at some point or another spent some time fasting. Um, there's three big ones, three 40-day fasts. Now, I don't know about that. I've had some friends that do that. They're crazy. Um, but that's a rough one to do. And the three 40-day fasts we see in Scripture are Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Moses is the kind of focus, the archetype of the law part of the Scripture. Elijah is the focus, kind of the archetype of, of the prophetic part of Scripture. And Jesus, obviously, is the focus of the Gospels in the New Testament. So kind of these three big pillars of Scripture, we see them go through a 40-day period of fasting. Now, if we turn to Matthew chapter 6, we've been in Matthew chapter 6 for a while. It's where we have read and found the, the Lord's Prayer. That's what it's commonly called. And it's in the middle of this sermon, but it's the middle of this sermon that Jesus is preaching. And right after this, he talks about another spiritual discipline. So he's talked about the spiritual discipline of prayer, but right along that we usually see a lot of times in prayer also comes fasting. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, 17. Jesus is saying, he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So Jesus is teaching them about fasting and he does it similar to the way he talks about prayer. He says, when you fast, don't look like a hypocrite. So if you're out there fasting and you're saying, man, I'm so hungry. I've been fasting. You've now got your reward because you got your attention from somebody else. And remember the reward is supposed to be from God. So when you start getting kind of, I'm so hungry type of fasting, Jesus is even saying here, you're drawing attention to yourself and that's not supposed to be the focus of fasting. That's the same as when we pray and we draw attention to ourselves. And it says that in the Lord's Prayer. That means your attention that you've got from other people is your reward. I'd much rather my reward be attention from God. So when you fast, he says, put some, put some lotion on. Like, look normal. Like, don't be moping around. And I, I always love when it says things like when you pray and when you fast. So there's this assumption that Jesus has that disciples, which a disciple is a follower of Jesus, Hopefully we would call ourselves disciples. There's an assumption that his disciples are going to participate in this activity of fasting. And this isn't a command that's given to us. Just let me clear that up. It's not a command that if you don't fast, then you're a sinner. That's not what Jesus is saying here. 
It's an invitation. It's an invitation to practice a spiritual discipline that will allow us to draw closer to God. It's a spiritual discipline that Jesus is teaching on and he invites us to join in on it. Now, I, I see, like when I've done studying on fasting and I see some of y'all like, okay, I don't know about this. And so to ease the tension, I'm gonna say it, most of us don't do this. Most of us don't fast. It's not been talked about, it's not been taught. The reason behind it is kind of strange. Like we, we've never really been um, taught the theology behind some of this stuff and most of us don't do it. It's a, it's a practice that's kind of lost its way. And a few years back, there was a, a survey that was conducted among Christ followers and they asked a question, how often do you fast? And so there, I've got this image that shows this. 45% says, I've never done it before. That's almost half of the Christ followers. Never done it before. 30%, I rarely. 12% say, I fast a few times a year. 5%, I do it once a year. And 2% say, I fast weekly. So when I'm saying this to y'all, I'm not saying this to beat you up because 98% of us don't do this. I'm a lot of times included in that 98%. I've had seasons where I'm good, seasons where I'm not. You 2% that fast weekly, way to go. We got Big Macs in the back for y'all. I mean, good job. But if you look to your left and your right, the majority of us don't do this. And I think it's because we don't understand what we're being invited into. And if we understood more of what Jesus is saying, man, be a part of this, we might actually take more of a part in it. Also, if we understood that it may just be giving up a meal, it doesn't mean I have to go 21 days without food, I think more people might participate in fasting. Sometimes we make the bar so high that people are like, I don't even want to try to jump that. And we have to understand what scripturally, what we hear and what we are seeing as the model of fasting. So when I teach on this. Again, I'm not blasting anyone because the majority of us, this is Christ followers. This is not just random people on the street. This is people that come to church regularly. 98% say, I don't do this regularly. Almost half say, I never have even ever once done this. So I'm not blasting anybody. My point here is to say, we're all in this to learn more about it together. So don't feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. But in Jesus' first century world, most of the Jews, all of the Pharisees, they fasted twice a week. Twice a week they fasted. Mondays and Thursdays was kind of their fasting. They'd take a chunk of that day and they would fast. And it's one of the core, it was one of the core practices of that day and age. And then the early church, so Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. He's put in a tomb. He raises, showing that he's defeated, death, hell, and the grave. He empowers this group of people to go and to change the world and they start proclaiming the good news. Jesus is Lord, he's alive and a church, the church is started. In a practice in the early church, they followed along with twice a week, they fasted. And they moved it from Monday and Thursday to Wednesday and Friday because they said, all these hypocrites over here, they're fasting the wrong way, we're gonna do it the right way. Christians have been grumpy with other Christians for a long time, okay? And so, but they still, they fasted twice a week. We get to 
Um, John Wesley, if you've ever studied church history, John Wesley is a major turning point. He's a British man, and he came over to America in the 18th century, and he was one of the most influential leaders in the Western church. And he had a lot to say about fasting. Here's a quote that I kind of found, and it says this. Now, this is so snarky, some of these things that he's going to say. It says, I fear there are now thousands of Methodists, so he's a Methodist, so-called. I like when he said, when somebody calls you a so-called something, that's like a, you're not really that thing. Um, so-called Methodists, both in England and Ireland, who following the same bad example have entirely left off fasting, who are so far from fasting twice a week, as all the stricter Pharisees did, that they did not fast even twice a month. You know who you are, Christians, so-called. The man who never fasts is no more in the way of, to heaven than the man who never prays. Now, please listen to me. I don't agree with, if you don't fast, you're not going to heaven. John Wesley uh, was single and grumpy sometimes. But what he was saying is this is a church practice that had been so common and was starting to lose its way. And think about this. This is uh, 1,500, 1,700 years they had practiced this. And he's noticing we're starting to not do this as much. And he's saying, how can we call ourselves Christians and we don't fast? Again, I'm not there yet because I, I don't see it as a command. I see it as an invitation. But it's something that we've kind of pushed away. And we need to maybe get back to understanding what this is. And it can be confusing in our society. I was at a church. I've been, every church I've been at has at some point or another called their church to a time of, hey, let's join in on fasting. And I remember one of the churches I was at, this was a, a long while back. They made a social media post saying, we're going to be fasting and inviting the church into it. And I remember a comment saying, is this a cult? <laughs> Because they thought, if you go without food, you must be a cult. Yes, you guys, the Kool-Aid's in the back. Come on. We're, we're not cultish, but we live in a society of do what feels good, instant gratification, and the idea of pushing away something that gratifies our flesh feels real foreign to us. It feels kind of crazy, especially f we live in a food-obsessed society, especially in America, completely food obsessed. We have entire shows and channels dedicated to not just food, but competitions about making food. And I love those shows, honestly. But we have a society that's obsessed with food to the point where we now call people foodies, which that means people have the hobby of eating food. When you wrap your mind around that and how the, all throughout history, food was a hard commodity. You had to farm it. You had to gather it. You would run out of it. It was like this difficult thing. And now we have people calling themselves foodies that they just go around and want to taste stuff. If you've ever watched the Hunger Games movies or read the books and people, they just want to indulge in all the things, like that's us sometimes. And we live in this obs obsession with food. But the other thing is we have hungry people all around us. We are surrounded by people that don't have enough. But the average American family throws away over $1,500 of consumable food every year. And I'm right there with all y'all in all of this. 
So on one hand, we have this culture of food excess, but then we also live in a culture of body worship where we idolize the way that we look and appear. We idolize um, the body and sexuality and personal appearance. And it's this kind of mixed message. Think about this. Take this hypothetical. You're at Walmart or Kroger and you're grocery shopping. And you decide to go into the, like the old school checkout line where there's magazines on each side. Because now everybody just, we, we become the baggers and the checkers, you know. Um, but you go through the old school one where there's still the magazines. And on one side, you have like the food magazine and there's this decadent cheesecake and it's all like looks glorious. It's amazing. And on the other side, you have like body and self magazine with some dude in like six pack abs or nine pack abs now. I don't know what's going on. Or some lady that's got perfect proportions and you're like cheesecake and super body. How does this make sense together? But this is our society now. We're like, we want all of the things and we want all of the things. And we become obsessed with trying to figure out how to do all of it. And I don't know, but for my genetics, that doesn't work. You know, I've talked up here like Tostitos and Oreos is not good. Like that, that's not a good diet plan. Um, but we live where we've got this, this self-image problems. And it comes to no surprise that there are more and more people that suffer from eating disorders anorexia, bulimia. So many young people are struggling with um, self-image, body issues. We base everything on comparison when all those images we usually see are put through 52 filters and Photoshop and all this stuff. And no, most normal people don't look like this. And what, we, what I want us to see and why fasting is important is from, from both sides, from food excess on one side to body idolatry and kind of its twin body insecurity on the other. What they both have in common is it's more than just an unhealthy relationship with food. It's that our body, this has become our master. This body we have has become our master. It's got the power and authority over our emotions. Think how many people go to emotional eating it's got power and authority over our, a lot of our spiritual, spirituality. We get really depressed if we don't look a certain way. And here's what I want us to know. Food and our body and our desires have way more power over us than most of us want to admit. Food and our appearance has way more power of us than mo most of us want to admit. And as a society, our society is literally built on us indulging in our like fleshly things to feed it literally and metaphorically we're marketed tempted promoted all of these things that some of them aren't even necessarily bad we just sometimes want to do them in excess and it's promoted and promoted and promoted and you thought it was just a big mac at satan come on guys just kidding don't go there with me and so as, we're, as I was studying this and thinking about this, I thought, is there a practice that I see from the way of Jesus to break free from an unhealthy relationship that so many of us have with our, like, 
unhealthy desires that we sometimes have in our body. And there's lots of them in scripture, but I think one of them at the top of the list is actually fasting. So now we're going to get to why, why we fast. So turn now to your Bibles and to Genesis. I'm going to give you a quick kind of theology and an understanding of how God created us and why fasting can be significant for us. So Genesis chapter 2. God is creating. We're going to be in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, however you come to the book of Genesis, what it wants us to see is something important. Man is literally made from dust. Yet, at the same time, we read that God breathes his breath into him. And the breath word right there is this word ruach in Hebrew. And it's a word breath, but it also means spirit. So God made our bodies from earthly things, but then he breathed his spirit into us. Here's why this is important. Because we are both physical and spiritual. We are two things. We have a physicality and a spirituality. We are body we are spirit. We are material and immaterial. It's, it's so simple that we can just pass over this, that God created us from material things, and then he breathed his spirit into us. And you have to wrap your head around this idea that on one hand, you don't have a body, you are a body. This is very philosophical, but you don't just have a spirit, you are a spirit. Your body and your spirit, both your physicality and your spirituality were created by God. And both have to be surrendered to God. Your, your body desires aren't, a lot of times are not sin. Your body desire to have food, your body desire to have sex, your body desire to, to be warm, those aren't sins. It's when we let those things get disordered and when we let those things become the driving factor of everything that we do that's when they can become gearing us in the wrong direction. And all we think of is that we have flesh and bones and we're material. And when we thought, we start to, we don't remember that we are not just physical, we are also spiritual. Again, this is kind of a lot. But when we begin to understand that we're not only body, we're spirit, we can begin to understand why these disciplines including fasting, can be so important. So I'm going to give you some reasons through Scripture why we can see why fasting is important. The first thing is when we fast, we starve the flesh and we feed the spirit. Now this language, flesh, you're like, what does that mean? What is, what is that? It's used by New Testament writers. Paul uses it a lot. Others use it. And it's talking about kind of the, the primal part of our body. The Greek word here is sarx, and it, it just translates body. What Paul means is not, not this, not, not your physical body. What, he, what he's talking about, what the New Testament are writing about, and the best way I can help you understand what fleshly desires means is this. Your body's not evil. That was a, there was a, uh, 
like dark ages, bad theology that the body is evil and you should push against every, that's, that's not, God, God created our bodies. The body's not evil, but your body's infected by disordered desires. That's our flesh. Our flesh is this, the disordered desires that want things out of order of the way that God created us. There's a part of you called your flesh and it fights against what the breath of God, the spirit inside of you wants. It's the reason that God is okay with you eating. We sometimes want to become gluttons. God is perfectly fine with sex. We though want to turn it to porn and cheating on our spouse. So these disordered desires, these desires are not necessarily bad, but when we let the flesh become involved, they become disordered. So Paul says this in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is like one of the best chapters in scripture, but we're just going to read one verse. It says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. And then he says this, so you are not to do whatever you want. That is so foreign to our culture now because we want to do whatever we want. And you should not tell me to do anything other than whatever I want. And Paul is saying, no, because you have a flesh that wants to do all kinds of things that sometimes will lead you down destruction and chaos, but they feel really good in the moment. And you have a spirit inside of you that's saying, no, the breath of God lives inside of you. You, need, you are made for something more than this. And he says, because of that, you don't just get to do whatever you want. We have to be submitted and surrendered to God's plans and his wills and his ways. If you, flee, if you feed the flesh, your disordered desires grow. So if you've got this desire that's unhealthy and you start to feed that, that thing's going to start to grow. You start looking at that thing you shouldn't look at, that thing's going to start to grow. You start drinking that stuff that you shouldn't be drinking, that thing's going to start to grow. Because your flesh is like, ah, yes, give me more, give me more. Or you can decide, I'm going to feed the spirit. I'm going to feed the godly part inside of me. And I want that part to grow. It's really interesting. If you think about God creates man, he puts him in a garden. He tells him he can, this is one of the things that says, you can eat whatever you want, except for this one tree. The tempter comes. The tempter tempts. God has, has God really told you not to eat this thing? Now, one of the things, yet yeah, it's not, he wasn't just tempting with food, but food was the object used. Food was the object used to say, I want this thing more than I want God's thing. And the reason this is interesting is because a new Adam comes named Jesus. Adam just really literally means human. A new Adam comes who is also tempted by the tempter. And the very first temptation is food. He meets him in the wilderness. He says, turn these stones into what? Bread. Now, again, it's not just about the food, but it's interesting that the tempter is trying to get us to give in physically to something when God wants us to focus on him spiritually. And both of these things are partially reasons why sometimes we have to shut our mouths, 
to food to understand that it's not that the food's bad. It's that I want to focus more on the spiritual things than even the physical things that aren't necessarily bad. They're just not my focus right now because I'm making space in my life for more of the spirit inside of me. So Thomas Kemp said this. He said, restrain from gluttony. Now, this is why the thou words, this is old. It says, and thou shalt the more easily restrain from all inclinations of the flesh. So he's talking about fasting here. He's talking about fasting here. And basically what he's saying is, it's kind of like when a boxer goes into a gym. When a boxer goes into a gym, they have a, a, a sparring partner. And their sparring partner is getting them ready for a fight. And they exercise and they lift weights and they jump rope because they're getting ready for a fight. They're training for something that's going to come at them that they've got to be able to defend themselves against. Fasting, a lot of times, is us preparing our bodies for the temptation that's going to come at us. Fasting is preparation for temptation. Because we're saying, I have already understood that I am in charge of my body. Even to the point of, I pushed away food. And so when the temptation comes at me, I've said, I've already learned that I'm in control because God's spirit inside of me is more powerful than even my fleshly desire. Willpower will not win against pornography. Willpower will not win against addiction. Willpower will not win against the inner father wound that wants to always steer you in the wrong direction. Fasting is more than just building up willpower. Fasting is saying, I'm drawing on more of God's Holy Spirit and His power. And I'm learning to know and be in touch with that. That's exactly what we do when we're fasting. We're training our bodies. Paul says, I buffet my body, which means he's saying, I, I've decided that I am bigger and better than just these fleshly desires because I have God's spirit inside of me. And so that's why it's important for us to understand we're physical, but we're also spiritual. And for, sometimes we just close up that physical side of us and say, it's not bad, God's just better. It's not bad, God's just more. And so when we fast, it's not us saying, food bad, God good. No, no, no. It's saying, I'm giving up food for a little bit because I want to focus more on the spiritual side of me. Because I focus on the physical side of me all the time. A lot of us, we focus on the physical side of us all the time. And when we fast, we're saying, I'm giving up a little bit of my physical to focus on my spiritual. That's a big reason of why we fast. Fasting sets limits on our fleshly appetites. That's what it does. It sets limits on our fleshly appetites. Now, when you start getting a regular rhythm of fasting, your, your desire to sin doesn't magically go away, but your understanding of how awesome God is starts to just grow inside of you a little bit. Second thing fasting does. We fast, we see in Scripture there's fasting all the time to amplify our prayers. Throughout Scripture, you see this pairing of fasting and praying. And you can do one without the other, but we sometimes think all we are is a mind that carries around a, a, a bone structure and flesh. Basically, we're just a brain that walks around with a body. And when we fast, we're actually praying in a unique way. Because the majority of the time, we think praying is just my mind coming through my words, and that's praying. When we fast, what we're saying is, 
those groans in my belly, my belly, my whole body is experiencing prayer because my whole body is longing for something. It's kind of like when we worship. We sing, but sometimes we worship with the actual physical act of lifting up our hands. When we pray, there's a physical act that's shown to us in Scripture, and that physical act is actually fasting. Sometimes that physical act is getting on our knees. There's these different ways of doing more than just saying the words, but actually letting our body join in on prayer. Fasting is a kind of prayer that comes not just from your mouth or your mind, but from your stomach. You're more than a mouth and a mind. You're a whole body. And fasting is a way for your body to respond in prayer. Now I have to be careful here because fasting is not a hunger strike against God. Okay? Fasting is not saying, God, I'm not going to eat until you do this. That never works. Again, we talked about this lots of times. You cannot manipulate and force God to do anything that would make you God and you're not God. Fasting is not saying, well, it's not a way to get God to do something. Fasting is a way for us to get to know God more. And here's four things we see in Scripture. There's lots of things that we see in Scripture about why, how this pairs with prayer. But there's four. All throughout we see fasting happens during a time of repentance. I listed just a couple scriptures on each of these. But fasting a lot of times comes during a time of repentance. Because again, it's our body way, not of self-loathing, not of self-harm, but just saying, I need to understand God's forgiveness. And sometimes I need to just even feel it through a hunger. It's a, it's a way for, that we can sincerely apologize for our sins and then move into a new freedom. To feel just the weight of your sin when you have that hunger for a minute. We don't like to have this, we don't like to use this term repentance anymore. Repentance means to turn from something that is a sin in your life and move towards God. And usually all of our sins are physical things. And so fasting is a way to say, oh, I've messed up here. I need more of this. And as you begin to fast in an act of repentance, you begin to feel Jesus lift some of that off of you to say, you are forgiven, you are loved. So fasting all throughout scripture, we see it during a time of repentance. Fasting is also a thing we see a lot of times during a time of grief and loss. When somebody's, some, there's a tragedy that's happened, when somebody's lost a loved one, and we are horrible at grieving, guys. It's not something we're great at. Fasting is a way for us to get better at all of this. Fasting is done during a time of crisis. We see it in scripture. You should all read like and go study Dunkirk. The nation was called to a time of fasting. They were in a time of crisis. The war was going on. And all of a sudden, a big storm blows in. The winds shift and change. And this battle that they were probably going to lose goes a completely different way. Was it a coincidence or was it God? There's times when we're in a time of crisis and we need to just fast and call on God and say, God, I still believe you can do miracles. I want you to just come and do something significant in my life and I'm spending a time of fasting. Again, not to get God to do what you want, but because you're aligning himself. And then wisdom. This one I use quite often when I don't know what decision to make, when I don't know what, where to go. Fasting allows me to just focus in more on God. And the very last reason we see we fast is when we fast, we stand in solidarity 
with the poor. We talked about how we are such, there's so much excess and we waste so many things. And when we fast, what I always encourage people to do is, you know, that thing that you've decided to give up, maybe it's just your morning coffee and you're like, I'm going to fast that. That morning coffee costs you something. And so as we fast, we can take whatever that resource was that would have, we would have used to buy that thing. And we can say, I'm going to divert this to giving towards something else. And it's not because I'm the savior or I'm better than, it's because I'm joining in, I'm being part of the solution. We prayed this prayer, the Lord's prayer. And it says, remember I, I talked about this language, it says our. It says, give us this, us, not just me, give us this day, our daily bread. So when we fast and we give up something and we give towards somebody who needs it, we're being an answer to the give us our daily bread. Because the truth is a lot of us have our daily bread, but there are people who don't. And so when we fast, it's an actual act of us surrendering and saying, I don't need this thing and I'm going to divert my resource that I would have taken and give it towards something else. So, I want to make this real crystal clear. I am not trying to put legalism on you guys. I'm trying to get, teach you about a spiritual discipline that can hopefully draw us closer to Jesus. It's not about self-righteousness. It's about drawing us closer to the heart of God. And it's spoken about time and time and time again in scripture. And there are times when you, if you start joining in on this process, there are times when you might fast and you feel nothing. You're like, why did I... But it's a discipline. It's like if you've ever exercised. There's times you go to the gym and you're like, yeah, I'm jacked. And other times you're like, well, I did that thing. It's a discipline. And we've been invited to participate in this spiritual discipline. And I'm going to invite you guys to participate in this spiritual discipline. Because we are in a society that moves and moves and moves towards sensuality, indulgence of the body, fleshly desires, giving into those things, defining, defining ourselves by our fleshly desires. And God says, I have a new definition. You are a child of God. And as we fast, we're participating in understanding we have a spirit inside of us that longs and groans to be with our creator. So, if possible, let's fast. And here's what I'm going to encourage you all to do. I know some of y'all, you may not be able to do this, but most of you can at least. Like I said, there's always issues and, and differences of why you can and cannot. And again, this isn't a command that if you don't do it, you're a sinner. This is an invitation. We're getting close to this relaunch. And I've said prayer is going to lead the way in this. And so what I want to invite you to do is just these next three weeks, and I'll, I'll remind us on social media, I'll remind myself, but just on Saturday night, skip dinner and pray for your church. One meal. Most of us can fast one meal. And that may be hard because you might be invited to a, you know, we're, hey, we're going to watch the game, come over to the house, go to the house, and then fast. And don't, when they say, why aren't you eating? Don't say, oh, don't give them the big spiel of I'm fasting and I'm better than you. That's, that you lost the point then. Just say, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm good. So I want to invite us for just for the next three weeks. Let's give up our meal on Saturday and just say, I want more of God's spirit in the church that I call home. I want more spirit in my life and in my family. And take a moment and just 
give up that fleshly desire. And then when you have a little bit of hunger pain there, say, I have more of a hunger for God than I do even for food. Let's practice this spiritual discipline just even for the next three weeks and see. Because I believe, man, a church that really pushes in towards God in an act of prayer and fasting and worship is a church that God is going to say, ah, they get it. They got it. Let's go. And I want to be that type of church.